You are listening to Nathan Chansky, and this is the Passion with Purpose podcast. All right, so my friend, I want to talk to you today all about the human mind. And actually, I want to talk to you today covering a very important book that I've read in the past year that's been, again, very important in my life. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics, and it's a book written by Maxwell Maltz, written back in the 1960s. So it's definitely an older book, but the wisdom in it is so good. And actually, the reason I'm doing this is because this book has just been very transformative for me. And not only has it been transformative, but it's something that I find is not talked about a lot. And a lot of times when I do think it is talked about, uh, these topics, it's talked about in the context of manifestation in calling things in from the universe. And a lot of those things that I think to me, I just disagree with a lot of them and I can't resonate with them because they don't align with my biblical worldview. But this book has been so helpful for me to understand how the subconscious mind works and how God has created our mind and to look past certain things that just maybe people have glossed over so often. And I know like it, I know like a lot of these topics are things that maybe you'll never have heard before, or maybe, I don't know, like for me, I've never heard a lot of these things before. So that's really why I wanted to cover them because they've been very transformative for me. And I notice a lot of people aren't talking about them. So I'm frankly, this entire episode is so straight up from the book. It's almost like a spark notes version of this book. And I'm not covering the whole thing because it's a very long book, but it is very like, it's straight from the book. So there's not a lot of original thought in here from me, but it is going to be thoughts from somebody that I find has been just so wise and received so much wisdom. So um, I hope you guys are going to be really helped by this episode. Uh, stay with me even for the parts that might seem a little bit, I don't know, like over the head or I don't know, um, because I think it's very worth hearing. And I will also just say, if you want to hear more about this, I would straight up go and read this book. It's written by Maxwell Maltz, and it's called Psycho-Cybernetics. I'll try to make sure and link it in the show notes um, because this book is amazing. I've actually read it about three or four, maybe even five times now um, because it's just so good and it's been so transformative in my life. So I hope you love this episode and let's dive into it. Are you an aspiring creative entrepreneur or established small business owner with a fuel to pursue the things that light you up like nothing else? If so, you are in the right place, my friend. My name is Nathan Shansky, and I'm a photographer and photography business educator. On this podcast, I'm here to drop nothing less than weekly truckloads of business and marketing tips, mindset shifts, and transformative wisdom from my life and career to bring you into the highest potential self that God created you to be. I will see you right here each week and let's commit to learning, growing, and achieving our goals together one bold step at a time. Okay, you guys, I'm so ready to talk about one of my like newest favorite things to talk about. And, um, you know, I love to talk about mindset, you know, I love whenever we talk about those types of topics. So <laughs> this is definitely going to be like a favorite topic of mine. But I will say this is going to be something where I don't want to make it too above everyone's head and like, like, because it can get above my head so often. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, it can be something that can be hard to wrap your mind around. But it's very important for me to talk about this because I feel like it's just 
Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things that maybe don't a lot of people don't talk about, but I'm like, why aren't we talking about it? You know, that makes any sense. Okay, so like maybe you heard in the intro, the premise of this is that I am it's this is almost like a book synopsis, like a book spark notes episode, like a book review episode. I am just like straight up taking so much information from this book. So the amount of like original thought in this podcast is like very limited. (laughs) Um, Just so you know, going into this, that like, if you want more on this, um, if you want like a deeper dive into this, like I would go read this book. And this book, again, is called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Um, Again, it was written in 1960. So it's definitely an older book, but I just think it has so much incredible wisdom in it. So I'm just going to dive right into like my synopsis and my coverage of this book. Uh, because again, I just want, I want you to get as much out of it as like I have. And I'm not, I'm not going to cover the whole book, by the way. I'm just going to cover like a part of it because um, like if you want me to do more episodes on this, because I know there's other books that I've read that kind of touch on this as well. Um, but I just want to take like a kind of like a bite of the apple on this one, not, <laughs> not to not go too far into it and not try to um, get everything in like one episode. I'm hoping that this episode is a little bit more short than maybe a typical Wednesday episode because I don't want it to be like crazy over everybody's head. Okay. And just so dense and all that stuff. Okay. So this book starts off with just kind of like the premise or I don't know if I'd say the premise, but just like the understanding or the narrative um, that Maxwell Maltz takes, uh, which basically is addressing the mind and addressing the subconscious mind as well. And his whole point in this book is that you will act as you perceive yourself to be. You will act only as your self-image dictates that you act. And then your subsequent actions will only provide supporting proof, reinforcing whatever that self-image is, okay? So uh, let me break this down and make it kind of like into an example. So for example, if you think of yourself as someone who is really bad at baseball and you are really bad at sports, well, most likely based on those thoughts of you thinking that about yourself, if you ever are to play baseball with some friends or family or whatever, um, I don't know why I chose baseball, by the way. I'm like the least sporty person ever. By the way, there it is again, like my self-image, right? So like if you think those things about yourself, most often you will go out into the world, you will move out into that activity actually acting as your self-image dictates. So for if you don't think you're good at baseball, um, then genuinely you probably won't be when you get out there. And then once those actions of you actually not being good at baseball happen, it'll just reinforce further your self-image that you're not good at baseball, okay? Um, And vice versa. He also kind of like the point is like, if you do believe that you are incredible at baseball, it's going to impact, I mean, you may not be like a professional by the time you stop thinking, by the time you're done thinking about it, but I'm just saying like, he does think that he proves in the, he proves in this book and he goes on and on in this book about like how the way you think about it is going to dictate your actual performance and your actual actions. Okay. So he, and I believe it was him, Maxwell, who was the guy like he he's the author, but I'm pretty sure this was him. And he was talking about his time as a plastic surgeon, okay? So he talks about his time as a plastic surgeon. And 
as a plastic surgeon, he found, um, and this is a story he gives at the beginning of the book, but he found that um, there was a lot of different scenarios of people that uh, needed plastic surgery, and then he kind of watched them afterwards and just saw how their lives transpired after that, okay? And so what he found was that a lot of people who were suffering from plastic surgery, excuse me, suffering from like a defect were actually suffering from a lot more than a physical defect. A lot of them were suffering from what he thought was more of like a um, a characteristic or a mental defect, more like a, something in their brain that was like um, a mindset issue, okay? So he found kind of three different scenarios. Some people, number one, when, when the defect was removed, like let's say it was like a scar that was removed on their face, or let's say it was like a nose that they thought was um, just like unattractive, when he would remove that said quote-unquote defect from them, whether it was their face or a different part of their body, apparently what would happen is he would find that a lot of people afterwards, their life course would completely change if they were an introverted person that kind of slunk back in the corner of society and didn't really pursue a whole lot in their life, he found that a lot of times after he would do this work on them, they would completely change life trajectory and they would go on to do incredible things and go on to be an incredibly uh, like uh, confident person and incredibly just, I don't know, successful person, something like that, okay? Scenario number two, he'd find that a lot of people would stay the same after they had something changed about them, but they would stay the same in their life and also claim that nothing actually was fixed, that nothing physically was fixed. So like if they got their nose redone, they would truly argue to their doctor and to their friends and family, no, 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 my nose is not fixed. To the point where people would show them pictures of before and after, they would look in the mirror and they would still say, no, I see that it is fixed, but I just like believe that it's not. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. And then the third scenario is not really people he worked on, but he found that a lot of people um, in life that he just found were proud of the scars of maybe the the nose or something like that. And they found it was like a badge of honor for different reasons. Maybe it was somebody who was in the military and it was a veteran and their scars were a kind of like a battle wound and like a, a hero indicator, okay? And so he was like, how do I reckon with this? Like you have some people in camp one, some people in camp two, some people in camp three. And ultimately, they're all sharing like a common theme, which is like their mind. Something's happening in their mind that's like, either propelling them forward or propelling them backwards and what's what's going on you know what i'm saying so he thought yeah there's something powerful here that we're not giving credit to beyond the just the physical and it's more mental um it's not just a cause and effect it's not just a physical defect at play here um with like our universal uniform reaction no like there's something else here that's kind of causing the changes in and in the way that each were responding to them okay so number one kind of like his main point in this book. And this is like, this is mainly, I'd say this is like one of the main themes in the book that he talks about, that he kind of like pulls all that information from that little like scenario. And he, he's like, okay, so I want to, I want to bring this down to like <laughs> the down to earth level. So one of his main points of the book and the main point that I'm going to talk about here is that we were built as humans by our creator God for success. Okay. So he talks about, just kind of unpack this, he starts with the fact that he's like, the world has been becoming so obsessed, and I'd say this isn't as much in um, 
modern era, modern 2020. But I do think like, especially back when he wrote this in the 60s, it definitely was. It was because it was so obsessed with the self being evil and flawed and and humanity being evil and flawed. Like, especially if you look back to kind of like religion or like certain denominations that were based in more like Puritan theology, um, different things like that. A lot of it is just so obsessed with like the depravity of man and the evilness of man and the flawed nature of man. And I do think that still kind of permeates into our culture today. Um, I do think our culture can massively inflate um, the nature of man and, and over, I, I don't know, like over-optimize the nature of man. I don't know if over-optimize is a word, but he talks about that. And, and I really resonate with that, by the way. Like I know in my life growing up, there was so much where when I was growing up, like I felt that weight of like, we are flawed. And especially a lot of it came from um, just like my religious upbringing and a lot of the denomination that I grew up in was very heavily focused on the flawed nature of mankind and that, you know, like at the beginning of time, like we were basically under uh, a curse from God. And so like now we as humans come into the world flawed. And, you know, like I would say if you read scripture, a lot of that is not untrue, but the the the, the kind of like the, uh, what would I say? the argument that is so strongly focused on kind of like the depravity of man or like man being flawed. Like you've heard like people say like, well, humans, humans have weaknesses and humans have human error and all that kind of stuff. And so the overemphasis on that can be very damaging and it can go way too far. Some people even source this instead of from religion, from maybe science, something like that, or just in everyday things that we talk about. Um, and it subconsciously impacts ourselves in ways that we really don't realize. But Maxwell in his book, he argues that God created our brains with what's called a creative success mechanism. By the way, he he's like a, he studies neuroscience as he writes this book, or he either did before. Anyway, so he's like, God created us body and mind for success, okay? And with that mind and body, we have what's called a self-image. You know, like it's, it's a self-image. This is dictated by ourselves. It's what we believe about ourselves. And whether you know it or not, you believe certain things about yourself. Now, we also have goals, whether consciously or consciously, embedded in us are those goals. And, and that's human nature that we have goals. And it's good that we have goals. Now, here's where they intersect. Our self-image prescribes the ability to achieve those said goals, and those goals will be worked towards in accordance with the self-image, okay? I hope you got that. And, and that's almost a direct quote. I think I paraphrased that. Um, but again, if our self... So let me kind of break this down. If our self-image is of failure, we will by default find and pursue failure. If our self-image is of success, we will find and pursue success. Am I tracking with you? I hope I'm tracking with you because this is like so important. So then he talks a little bit about imagination and this is kind of how he fleshes everything out. And I love when he talks about imagination because th there's so much out there right now on the topic of manifestation and the topic of, uh, I, I don't know, like the, the, the quote-unquote universe 
grabbing something from the universe, calling something in. And I don't want you to be afraid of those terms because I'm not afraid of those terms. Um, personally, I am not somebody who manifests. I, I don't really believe in it because I think a lot of it is rooted in selfishness and it's not rooted in surrendering surrendering to the Lord. However, I don't want you to be afraid of it. Like, like for the same reason that I would tell somebody who doesn't believe the same way I believe about uh, faith, I, w- I would say, don't be afraid of what I'm talking about. Um, don't like, you can listen to me, even if you disagree, um, because it's good to like hear other viewpoints and to kind of dissect them a little bit. So again, this is, this is kind of like, it helped me understand kind of the good parts of manifestation without kind of going down the rabbit hole of both the parts of manifestation that just like aren't true and are kind of silly. Like, oh, I'm going to stare in a mirror and like tell myself that I am making this much money and hopefully it just happens tomorrow. Or the part of manifestation that's just like, I think, anti-biblical. So I think this part about imagination really helps me understand kind of the good parts that 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 are good to take out of it. And he talks about it in the form of imagination. So so for me, like when I when people talk about like manifestation, I actually talk more about like visualization and imagination because those things are scientifically proven and things that the God that God has given us. Okay. Um, so he talks about imagination as an incredible tool to, to heal our self-image. So we have the ability for creative imagination. We also have the ability for destructive imagination. And we can use it one way or the other. We actually act most often, not by our own, not by our own will, but actually by how our imagination dictates Okay, this is crazy. <laughs> like this, like when he started talking about this, I was like, no, this is nuts because it's so true. So like a human will act in accordance with how he believes himself and his and his environment to be more than we realize. Like that's just how the human brain and nervous system works. Like you ask a neuroscientist this and he will affirm that he or she will affirm this. Okay. Studies have been done that if you imagine your hand in ice water, your body temperature will literally drop. The same as if they show that in your your like a simulation in the North Pole, You're like your body temperature will drop if they show you in that. Okay. Same as if they say, if someone were to tell you, like a doctor were to tell you, like, oh wow, your forehead is really hot right now. Um, the thermometer is really reading r- very hot right now on your head. Most likely, what will happen is your like this has been like proven that um, your the thermometer reading will show it actually warming up because your head will literally be warming up after someone tells you that because of your beliefs. Isn't that crazy? Um, Like our brains actually can't distinguish well between a real and an imagined experience, okay? Whatever we believe as truth most often dictates our action and behavior. Hope this isn't going over your head. I hope you're still tracking with me because this is just like, it's true. And like once I started hearing these things, I was like, "That, but that's so true. Like I don't even have to, it's almost like I don't even have to have someone tell me that and prove it. I'm like, but no, but I know that's already true. You know what I'm saying? Um, but he talks about this and like gives like these lab clinically proven like results of these statements. It's nuts. So like, for instance, if you're being chased by like a person in a bear costume, your body will literally still react as if it's being chased by an actual bear. If it believes that that bear costume is an actual bear. Like all available energy, blood will be rushing to the muscles needed to outrun the bear, even at expense of maybe other organs in your body that need like functioning. Like everything will just like focus on like the muscles needed to outrun the bear. It's crazy. Like your body will like do what it takes. That's why people so often in really dire circumstances, they just find like this superhero energy to like 
like if you like if you have like I don't know if like a family was in a really bad car accident and um there's like you know there's a mom and a dad and and some kids and then like if if the dad notices or sorry if they get in this terrible accident and um somehow they have to get everybody out of the car and it's like ridiculously hard to get out of the car and like even like professional firemen couldn't do it you'll find so often in these like stories that like the the dad will get his family out like it's nuts like he will just have like superhuman energy and power to get this family out and like the professionals are like we don't know how he did it it's like literally beyond our <laughs> and it's because seriously like that adrenaline when that kicks in like when that blood rushes to those muscles like you, you, you there's so much power and energy in like being what you need to be in the given moment right I mean, just believing that you can do something. Um, so, like, simply an idea can spark an emotion of, like, for that for that situation, like, saving your family. He argues with you, if your imagination is so powerful as to do all of these things and to, like, even if you're simulated at the North Pole to actually feel cold, why not imagine yourself successful, okay? Why not imagine yourself successful and let your success mechanism kick in and actually operate out of a place expecting and promoting success, okay? And he really talks about the fact that like clear mental pictures actually and imagination gives us opportunity to act accordingly to that mental picture. So he talks about like if you genuinely imagine yourself successful and you make a clear mental picture of yourself as successful, and this is like, a habit you develop. Like, not just like you sit there and think about it, but like that you like regularly are redefining your self-image is like, I am successful. I mean, I'm a, I'm a successful person. Like, um, and not not duping yourself into think that like, oh, I have truly made this, but just being like, I am the successful person that I want to be. And I'm, I am that and I don't, I, I'm going to be that. You know what I mean? Just believing that you can do it, okay? He, he also talks about the fact that like, um, you know, in sports, if you imagine a bullseye on a target and you're playing darts or something like that, and you just imagine your dart nailing the target and you just like clearly visualize that in your head before you go up, it's proven that people perform better, like at a game of darts or something like that. Hey, photographer. So if you're anything like me, editing photos to get that exact look you want in them can be a pain in the freaking butt. Am I resonating with you a little bit? Now, I've tried buying many presets out there to achieve my look, but could never find what I was looking for. And even the ones that I have tried and even like, most of them, I don't even know how to ever like use or adjust them for my photos. So you know what I did? I just made my own photo presets called Amber Presets. I'm dead serious. I went all in and created six color presets in this pack, all based on very similar qualities that preserve timeless, true-to-life color while still giving that nostalgic, grainy, and creamy vibe we all adore from old film. The pack also comes with nine tweak presets that help you customize the presets for each photo, six adjustment brush presets to add that extra pop to your images, and three black and white presets. I cannot tell you how obsessed with them I am, so much so that I had to release them for you too. Now, it was important to me to put you in the driver's seat with these presets. 
notes. I even give you over two hours of on-screen editing training explaining how to use them in Lightroom, a complete panel-by-panel breakdown of how I built them in Lightroom, and a massive watch-me-edit section where I edit tons of different photos with the presets. I want you to feel like the creator of these presets because of how much you can customize them, how much you know how to use them and how they were created, and how they will enhance, not distract from the raw beauty of the images that you took. So if you know you want to try them out on your own work, head to nathanchansky.co slash presets, or I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll make sure you can see those before and afters and get all the details in the landing page as well. Seriously, can't wait to see you using the Amber presets on your photos. Photographers, have you ever come home from a photo shoot, backed up your photos, and been overwhelmed at the number of photos you have to call or select from that photo shoot? I totally know that feeling. Like we really only need a fraction of those photos. So we need an efficient system that narrows down those thousands of photos taken to the ones we actually edit and deliver. All right. So let me tell you how freaking excited I am to introduce to you my go-to photo culling software, Narrative Select. Narrative Select is the calling app of my dreams and truly is everything I didn't even know I even needed in a calling software. Its incredibly intuitive interface allows me to seamlessly and quickly import my photos, sort them by capture time, gives me AI ratings on photos, checks for focus, open eyes without even having me to check, and my favorite feature, the close-up side panel that auto-zooms on faces so I never even have to. By the way, yes, I have tried other calling apps out there, and Narrative Select is my top choice and the one I naturally keep coming back to. I can't tell you how much time and honestly brain power that Narrative Select saves me, and it even gets better. You can even use Narrative Select for free, so you actually have nothing to lose here. So head down to the Narrative Select link in the show notes of this episode to have your own culling workflow absolutely revolutionized. Now, let me just tell you this like little brief personal anecdote. So right after I read this book, I was, I think a month later or something, maybe it was like a week later, I don't know, but I was actually at a friend event, like just like a friend group event with some of my friends and we were bowling. And I I historically have not been great at bowling. Again, like historically, I'm not great at sports, <laughs> but it was really funny because I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to test this, like just humor me. You know what I mean? So we got up to the bowling, and by the way, like the first three, me rolling the bowl, whatever that is, turns. <laughs> the first three turns of mine, they were so bad. Like, and it was very par for the me course. And it was just like, yeah, I'm not, a, I am not a good bowler. Um, but anyway, so I got up to the lane, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna roll this one, and then I'm gonna see if like I can actually do this like creative imagination thing and just like test it out. So I rolled my ball and took my turn and then I went and sat down in between turns for like the next couple turns I literally just sat there and like you know you have that time and I just tried to creatively visualize imagine myself um don't don't laugh at me (laughs) um getting like a strike and just like how would it feel how would it sound how would it like like all of this you know what I mean just like what would it look like what would it sound like what would it Like, how does that feel? And just visually imagine myself doing that in my mind, kind of like think about it over and over again, think about it detailed, not like straining to think about it, just like casually thinking about it over and over again. And then when I got up to actually my turn, you know, I just like threw down there, didn't try to think about it too hard, just like let my, like I actually, uh, what I did try to do was not think about it too hard. You know what I mean? 
and just like let my body do what it needed to do, like the muscles, the movements, like whatever it needed to do to get the, um, just yeah, like literally letting my instinctive subconscious almost muscles take over. And I kid you not, for the next three rounds, or sorry, rounds, turns, um, shows you how in tune with sports I am. For the next three turns, I bold strikes, like just out of the blue. Like everyone in my little group was like, uh, what just happened? <laughs> it was so crazy. I was like, I, I don't know. This is not normal for me. <laughs> and literally, I can, I kid you not, like I won the round of like my group of people in on the screen. Um, seriously, like I, I won that round and I never, I like never went in bowling and I never really do great in bowling. So it was crazy. I was like, what is going on? I didn't get a strike for every single one, but I'm just saying like, I, I significantly did better than I was before and I got like way more strikes or, or I got a strike at all. Good grief. Instead of like what I was doing before, I didn't get any. Um, and I was like, this is nuts. And the book, he talks about doing this for like any situation you are in that, you know, like an interview or a sales call or um, this is actually something that has widely been accepted by people like chess players or musicians or golfers that they will genuinely imagine themselves doing something like musicians. Like I tell my wife to imagine yourself because um, she does a lot of piano and she, I'm like, Babe, just like imagine yourself playing the piano really well and like literally play it, play your songs that you have to learn in your head. You know what I mean? In order to like learn them and your body and your muscles and all of that will genuinely like support uh, what you believe about yourself and like what you believe to do, what you believe you can do based on like your imaginative like ability. <laughs> um, and it's almost like the form and the how is basically something that will come. Like, don't don't focus so much on the form of it and the how of it. Just kind of focus on, like, I can do it and the imagination behind it. Um, like, that's so often why I tell beginner wedding photographers, hey, imagine yourself doing an incredible job. And imagine yourself as an incredible wedding photographer um, even before you shoot your first wedding so that going into it, um, you can just, like, believe in yourself and not be, like, so fixated on like, oh, what you don't know and like how you've never done this before. You know what I'm saying? So that's like what I tell them. And, and I also tell them to like reduce stress around, like, let's say it's your first wedding. A lot of times people will be like, it's my first wedding. What's your one piece of advice? And I'm like, honestly, reduce as much stress as possible around the day. Because once you do that, you will be in a situation where you can actually let your instinctive abilities take over and you can actually um, let like your belief system of, hey, I am capable and I can do this take over, you know? And obviously there's balance with this. You know, if you don't, if you've never touched a camera before, you need to, you do need to know how to do it. You need to know like what ISO means, all these kind of things. But still, like, it, let me put it to you this way. A lot of the times when we get up to do something, it's not that we don't, it's not that basically like we don't know how to do it. A lot of times it's the remembering how to do it and it's the performing under pressure that we struggle with. You know what I'm saying? And so this is where oftentimes this creative imagination can take over and it can almost help you basically worry in reverse. Like that's, he actually talks about this a lot in the book, like worrying in reverse. So if basically the best way I can put this is if you are, you know, it's your first wedding or something like that. And you're like, Oh, I want to go into this, um, you know, like with the best, my best foot forward. Well, instead of worrying about it the night before and being like, Oh, what if I show up late? Or, Oh, what if I don't know how to pose the bridal party? Or, Oh, what if I don't like catch uh, the bride coming down the aisle in focus, actually worry in reverse 
Imagine yourself catching the bride perfectly, crisply, in focus. Imagine yourself posing the bridal party incredibly and having them all just like love you. Imagine yourself, like your camera settings just being like perfectly adapted and uh, exactly what you need to be per moment. Like imagine yourself just like having a great personality that like all the family members love for family photos, like literally worry in reverse. Because if you focus, like if you've ever heard that the, the, um, when people say like, oh, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna hit what you aim for or like you hit what you shoot for or like if you oh man i'm botching this right now but basically like if you are trying to if you worry about failure like you'll you'll hit failure every time something like that but it's seriously there's so much validity in that like you need to relax yourself instead of strain yourself and like um you, your efforts and your work are supporting your mind but don't make them a form of strain and force on yourself you know you know more than you think you do and like you just have to let those things come through you almost instinctively because they are there you know so now a lot of people might say to this you know well this all sounds not very humble or not very biblical because it's all about like success and all this kind of stuff but you know what i have really come to believe something that's different um than just like you know, God wants us to only be like wallowing in like, I don't know, some sort of self-pity humility or something like that. You know, Jesus says in Matthew, the book of Matthew and the Bible to not hide your light under a bushel and let your light shine so that your father in heaven may be glorified. And he talks about in the book that Maxwell he talks about in the book, he says, does it bring a heavenly father glory to see his creation hang their heads in despair and negativity or does it glorify him to conversely see us thriving and living to our full potential? <laughs> Just let that sink in. Like God sees us as those who, who through whom he can do amazing things. He literally, like, he he wants those things for us. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to preach like all prosperity and all that kind of stuff, but just think about that. Like a loving father, what would a loving father want for his children? And the Bible talks a lot about how God is a very loving father. You know what I'm saying? So he actually closes, Maxwell closes the chapter by telling you to mentally and vividly visualize yourself succeeding in your area of practice and uh, in whatever you need to accomplish. And what does that person look like? He actually tells you to do this every day, almost like methodically, like a half hour per day. You know, I've tried that. I don't, I don't know if that really works for me in my schedule, but what I really like to implement is to do this throughout my day, just kind of organically. Like if I ever feel like lack of confidence or if I am about to go on like a sales call or if I'm about to... Um, um, go to a photo shoot just to like creatively imagine myself to visualize myself just killing it at whatever I'm doing and then to go out and do it like even before a sales call um, I will just imagine myself like booking them before I actually talk to them it's like yep I'm just gonna imagine like what it would be like if they would just like book me by the end of this and like how how would I talk how would I act how would I how would my body language like carry myself like all this kind of stuff and then focus on that literally worry in reverse and then and then that carries into the actual thing that you are doing you know what i'm saying like if you struggle with this by the way you could use past successes to help you with this feeling i'd actually literally write out a list of times i've done this before where you write out a list of times in your life where you felt very successful or accomplished and use those feelings to build new mental pictures of yourself instead of just negative mental pictures of yourself based on negative past experiences you know what i mean so let's say you're about to go into 
um, a photo shoot, like literally you can read past reviews or past like texts from clients that made you feel like a million bucks as a photographer. You know what I'm saying? Like to actually form these new self-image mental pictures of yourself before you actually go out and do the thing that you need to do. Um, And don't strain with this. Let it flow naturally. Don't put pressure on yourself to like, oh, I need to think these positive thoughts. You know, that's defeating the purpose. You want to make sure this flows out of you naturally and um, organically. Uh, So he also talks about healing the self-image by looking to the rest of God's creation. I love this part. So he talks about how animals are a lot like humans and we're both created by God, but humans are able to understand consciousness and pursue emotional and spiritual needs. So that's something that animals actually cannot do. Um, People would probably fight me on this, but um, and it's not me saying it. It's I'm actually just covering what he's saying in the book. But animals cannot select their goals, actually. So animals have success instincts to successfully interact with their environment. That's nothing new. I don't think that I'm telling you. Um, you know this. Um, so <laughs> it's so crazy, though. Like we we think that instincts are like whatever. But like if you think about instincts in an animal, it's so incredible. Like think about a migrating bird. Okay. And a migrating bird just simply knows at some point in the year, without even looking at a calendar, without like, yeah, without even like consciously thinking about it, a migrating bird just like built into itself knows when winter is coming and when it needs to not only flee the place it has been that's going to get cold, but it knows exactly where to travel to find like perpetual year-round warmth? Are you kidding me? Like how? That's so insane. Like I, if it was left to me to like tell the birds to do that and I didn't have a calendar, I genuinely would probably fail them. Like I don't even know if I'd be able to tell them that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he's telling you like if a bird knows that, a freaking bird knows that, <laughs> like how much more incredible insight and instinct and just like marvelous brain power and intelligence has God given us, built, baked into us, into our DNA. And man, unlike animals, we have, this is different than animals, we have a built-in imagination that can achieve results and goals creatively. That's a massive difference between us and animals, a massive, like, um, leg up that we have. You know what I mean? We are built in the image of God. Um, he goes on to talk about the human brain. Uh, Brit- a British neurophysicist, he cites, uh, W. Gray Walter, he apparently said, at least 10 billion electronic cells is is what would be needed to create something like the human brain, taking up a million and a half cubic feet and an additional million cubic feet for just the nerves. Oh, and by the way, a billion watts to power it all. Like we, he says, we marvel at the interceptor missile to intercept another missile. But what about a center fielder on the football field catching a freaking ball? You know what I'm saying? Like we just like take those things in human nature and the human intelligence for granted. Actually, he says a computer, even if it were constructed, would not be able to feel, imagine, or be creative. Let just like <laughs> let that sink in. How powerfully constructed your brain is, and how incredibly you've been constructed. Like just by like comparing yourself to like the most extreme, beautiful mechanisms that the world has created. Like even as a photographer, for me, this is one of the most crazy things about being a photographer. Is like we have this crazy understanding of like how intricate a camera is 
and that the best engineers have like created these cameras. And you and I both know that they pale in comparison to the human eye and what the human eye can capture. Someone just told me the other day how many megapixels a human eye has, and it just like blew my it was definitely in. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a lot of figures and versus like the best like megapixel camera out there. It doesn't even compare. And like the the balance of light and color that our eyes have, it's insane. I mean, this even <laughs> this is like a whole different podcast topic, but like this is where I actually really struggle to understand how people don't believe in a all-powerful personal being of a God that created us. Like, even if you don't believe in religion, it's, it's very hard for me to understand how people don't believe in a God because I'm like, man, like it takes, if you talk about how much faith it takes to believe in a God, I, I think it takes way more faith to not believe in a God and to, and to come up with a theory that supports all of this creation being just built by itself out of nowhere or even without explanation. I mean, that's that's hard for me to wrap my brain around, but I, I truly believe it. it has been created by an all-powerful God. Um, so that's a whole other topic. But like genuinely, just revel in the beauty of you as God's creation and how much success has been built into you. So practically, he kind of talks a little bit about, and this is how, how I kind of want to close, um, how to operate your own success mechanism. And, you know, he talks, he has like five little steps and I want to run through these. He says, number one, you need a target goal. Number two, you need to focus on the end result of the goal and the means will come. Don't stress so much about the means and how um, and the form. Um, you, you you much more want to focus on like the end result. Um, and th- by the way, this is not me saying to you, like, don't stress about like, any of the how of things and and not taking things methodically and not reaching goals methodically. I do think that is good. I think he's more talking about like micro situations um, and where like something as simple as like bowling or something like that. Um, And don't be so, so worried about like every detail of your form or your delivery, but more worried about like this is what I, this is what my goal is. And this is, and and I believe I, I have it in me to achieve this goal. Number three, he says, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Number four, he says, failures and errors are there just to correct your course, not to claim your identity. I've talked about this before in other podcast episodes. This is where actually where I got it. And that, you know, in so many mechanisms, uh, servo mechanisms that are out there that we've created as humans, and this is how servo mechanisms work, and this is what we work as, mistakes or failures are actually just there to point you in the right direction. They're not there for you to be like, wow, like I made the mis- I made this mistake and I just, I'm going to wallow in this mistake and this mistake is going to become my identity. No, 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 no. Like once you make the mistake, you now have evidence and proof that you just don't want to make it again and that you're like, oh, okay, well, that's just pointing me in the right direction. I don't have to worry about it anymore because I made that mistake and now I can just be pointed in the right direction. You know, we're so afraid of making mistakes, but actually they just they just lead us better to our ultimate goal, you know? Um, and then number five, he says, don't become anxious. Actually, you know, like your creative, imaginative um, mechanism in your brain is supposed to feel more spontaneous and instinctive rather than just anxious, you know? So just to close this out, this is a question he asks, asks in the book. Do you feel like, and I'm talking to you, whoever's listening, do you feel like you are fundamentally not built for success? Now, there's going to be some people out there that I'm talking to that they genuinely are going to be like, yeah, honestly, I do. <laughs> and that's a blessing. That truly is like a blessing and a gift. Not everybody has it though. And so 
if you don't have that and you fundamentally feel like if you were to kind of dig deep, you're like, gosh, I just, I just don't know if I am built for success. I just want to ask you, why do you feel that way? Do you feel like the world is like a dangerous place and like right when you're about to reach success, something always goes off rails? Like, does that resonate with you? And again, ask yourself, why? Why is that something that you've just accepted as a belief? Rationally challenge that thought. Seriously, just get rid of that emotional logic and dismantle it because it's not true. It's not true. And you have to understand, you have to, you have to literally dismantle that truth if it's there. And if it is there, you'll, you'll probably know because if you do a little digging in your heart, you'll, you'll kind of be like, oh, yeah, that is kind of there. I do, I do think that about myself, you know? And I want you to dwell on the alternative truth that you are built for success, that you are just as much built for success as any other person. And obviously, success is going to look different to different people. And your success is going to be different than my success. And your, your definition of that is going to be different. But ultimately, remember that like an almighty God has built you to succeed in your environment and has built you with the mechanics and the DNA and the, the body and the strength to succeed in your environment, okay? Dwell on the alternate truth. Dwell on the truth of the success instead of, instead of the truth of like, I am built for failure or I'm built to fail or something like that, you know? Worry in reverse. <laughs> Dwell on the positive end goal result. And just like worry, appropriate emotions are going to come for that positive goal and that positive thought. Um, and think of literally, like, think of what you have to do. Think of your your uh, the journey onto your goal as just easy. And you're genuinely, I do believe that a lot of this subconscious and your your muscles and your body and your your voice and your your like everything about you will simply function as your conscious is feeding into it. Okay. Now I know that again, this sounds crazy. This sounds weird. This is stuff that like a lot of people don't talk about, but like I genuinely, I mean, I, I don't want you to reject truth. I don't want you to reject facts about yourself. But frankly, the, the, the reason I'm talking about all this too, is that like so often when we worry, we are rejecting truth and facts for unreasonable conclusions. We're, we're genuinely just like rejecting the facts of like that we were built capable, that we were built with like so many good qualities and traits. And we just like accept and pursue instead unreasonable conclusions. And it's just like, I, I want us to stop doing that. It can be so toxic and 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 can just hold us back from so much. And I know I, I've I've let it hold me back from so much in my life and and really kind of getting over those things and 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 yeah, like healing myself from those mindsets has helped me get out of that place so much. And I, I want to see that in your life as well. So Anyway, I don't really know like where to end this or how to end this, but I I do hope this was helpful for you. Um, a lot of these thoughts are like very half baked for me because I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not, um, you know, like I'm not a neurophysicist or whatever that guy was, but like I'm just somebody on the other end of this podcast in your ears that is just telling you that fundamentally you were built by a God who has a beautiful design and a God that has a beautiful design in you. 
and who has created something beautiful in you. And I truly believe that he has plans for you. And I truly believe that you weren't built just to fail. I don't, I don't believe that. I, I believe you were built to succeed in your environment. So Again, I hope this was helpful for you. I hope you take away a lot from this. If you want me to do more episodes like this and kind of flesh this out a little bit more, because this is definitely something that I have thought about a lot. And even when I talk to people who are like much more successful than I am, like when I bring stuff like this up, they're like, oh yeah, I've totally heard about that and I totally believe it. But it's like no one talks about it because I think everyone thinks like, oh, people are going to think I'm weird if I talk about this. And I, I honestly kind of like, I worry that you're going to think I'm nuts for talking about this kind of stuff. But genuinely, I hope this is helpful and I hope it's worth the risk of throwing this out there. And um, I hope, yeah, hope it helps you. So thank you so much for listening. Um, You guys are the absolute best for being here and uh, I will see you right here next week.